Hey there, folks. Episode number 88. It's the Uticast. We are back once again. And this week, we are talking to our good friend, potentially my maiden Utica boss, Kate Riley, joins the show after 86 episodes. She was on episode number two. It's crazy. Uh, besides, Katie, we're also going to be talking about a uh, reaction from last night's Oscars, passing of Bill Paxton, uh, the discovery of seven new planets, uh, Barack Obama's potential French presidency, and of course, some history lessons and some would-you-rathers. All that and more. Episode 88. We're happy to have you, folks. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen you all that much, actually. Really? Yeah. I've been here. I've been around. I know. I know. You went to the show last night, though. Or I did. Sunday. I did. I was gone all day Sunday. Maybe that's what it is, because Sundays are normally like kicking around the house doing house stuff, and I wasn't home all day Sunday, so that's probably a big part of it. Yeah. And I feel like I always, I always see it passing other days of the week. Anyway, it's not like the same kind of true. Yeah. True. Well, then you were gone. You were in. I was uh, in New York. You were on the trip last week, which yeah. was nice, by the way. I was. I was concerned at going back to my alma mater. Would be, I'd be kind of cynical and just be like, look at this place. I owe it so much money. Or, you know what I mean? Like, right. and shaking my fist. I was actually genuinely nostalgic for a little bit. I was like, oh, this is nice. Yeah, that makes nice sense. Nice to be back in school. That makes sense. Um, yeah, so I took, the, we took the students to three different colleges. Right. Columbia, mm-hmm. Hunter, and NYU. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't talked to you about this. Give me your, rank those in your general opinion. What do you think the students uh, liked to disliked? One, two, and three. Um, I man, it's probably hard to not put Columbia as number one, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and then probably NYU and then Hunter. Mm-hmm. I would imagine mm-hmm. that's what I thought. Right, uh, Hunter was number two. Uh, NYU number one. They did not like Columbia. Really? How come? I can say this. Uh, it seemed as though Columbia was less interested in putting on the the welcome mats and saying hello and making us feel like they wanted us there than the other colleges did. Okay, right? that's fair. And to a certain extent, and I said this to the kids afterwards, they don't really have to impress us. No, no. They, like, you know, Columbia is like one of the like the richest private institutions yeah. like, in, the, in the world. So like, um, <clears throat> it's, you walk in the campus, you look around, you look at all the, the beautiful like architecture and like all the history that's there and you walk into a building and there's like a giant marble bust that probably costs more than everything I've ever owned in my life combined, right? right? right. And it's just in this one library, and you're like, yeah, man, that's like that's where we are. They'll, like, look around, right? right? Uh, and I don't think it resonated with with the, our with our kids. They, they were like, mm. That makes sense. NYU, however, was in Greenwich Village, in the lower part of Manhattan, not mm. the upper part of Manhattan. It's very chill down there. It's right. almost like Brooklyn in a weird way. Right. Uh, as I wrap everything back around to Brooklyn. Mm. But they really like that. Like that, like all, if anything, more than anything else, I don't know if they love the colleges. I think they all want to move to New York City now. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, <clears throat> so, you went to go see Run the Jewels? I did go to see Run yeah. the Jewels last night. Uh, I have never seen Run the Jewels. I've seen Killer Mike singularly. What was your thoughts on the show? Uh, I know how much you like Run the Jewels. Yes. So I don't want to rub it in too hard. (laughs) 
Go ahead. No, rub away. But with that being said, man, it was awesome. Yeah. It was a really good show. Yeah. Terminal 5 is a great venue. Awesome. Um, it's a really cool spot to see a show. Mm-hmm. They were, all the openers were pretty good, but Run the Jewels was, I mean, absolutely killing it. They had just come back. They were on the end of like a 35-day, you know, run for yeah. their tour, and they're doing four nights in New York. They're playing again tonight, Monday night, and they'll be playing Tuesday night as well. And they were, I, you know, it's been a while since I've been to a rap concert, and yes. rap concerts are notorious. I, number one, I forgot how much fun rap concerts are. Mm-hmm. Um... Everybody's really just partying. A lot of times you go see bands, and especially bands that aren't like, you know, heavier bands or whatever. A lot of people are sort of standing there, swaying to the music. That is not what was going on last night. <laughs> it doesn't surprise um, me. They were, so they were really good, but the sound was really good. Sometimes a rap concert will miss, like, especially if they don't have a live band when it's just a DJ and some guys with microphones. Right. Sometimes the sound's not good and it's not really there, but everything they had was spot on. Um, something I noticed that I thought was really cool, the vibe in the room and the way they presented their show was really, really positive and uplifting. I mean, Run the Jewels is, is relatively political. They're yeah, known yeah, for being for sure. Like, I noticed as soon as you walk in the door, they've got people signing you up, registering to vote, and registering you yeah. for email updates about your local elections, which, you know, near and dear to my heart. Yeah, I'm ran for they even well. said it, they were out there, both Killer, you know, both Killer Mike and LP were, you know, talking about you have to register, you have to pay attention, but there was a lot of, you know... A lot of talk, like, look, it's a weird time in the world, but I look around this room, I invite, you know, any politician to ever come check out or run the mm-hmm. Jewel show because this is America and this is who we are and everything's going to be okay and we've been all over this country and, you know, it gives us hope and, like, all this stuff. And it, it sounds corny and in a lot of ways it really is, but they presented it really well and the feeling and the vibe was really uplifting. Mm. And, yeah, they they absolutely slayed. I think Absolutely with, slayed. I think with a name like Killer Mike and a profession like Hip Hop Star, I think a lot of people don't, Know or care to know how smart of a guy? Killed well, that Mike was really that was the is. Bernie Sanders yeah. quote. I remember during the election, uh, Bernie Sanders sat down to have breakfast with Killer Mike one yeah. day, and it's a hilarious <laughs> photo because Bernie Sanders <laughs> and he even shouted about. He's like, you know, normally I don't mess with politicians. He's mm. like, you know, we saw Obama last week and we invited him to the show, so we expect him to show up, like joking around. But he was talking. He's like, yeah, you know, I don't really like you know a lot of politicians and stuff like that. He's like, I do, I do mess with Bernie. Bernie's the OG. Um... But I remember Bernie Sanders had a quote about Killer Mike after he met with him. He's like, Killer Mike? He's like, he's a very smart guy, and uh, he's not actually a killer. Uh, they just call him Killer Mike because he's uh, such a killer rapper, but he doesn't actually kill people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just he's like, just a killer rapper? He's it's one of those anybody. things where, like, our, our hyper, you know, our hyper-speed culture where everything's sort of mashed together. Yeah. It's really interesting to have, like, two guys like that who, I mean, you couldn't think of two more polar opposite people but sort of pushed together like that. It kind of makes sense in a weird way, though. Like, yeah. Somehow when you see them together, you're like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I see where the connections are. <laughs> and it was crazy, though, because when you go see a show like that, especially in a place like New York, the end of a tour, you know, an act that's it's about as hot as they come right yeah, now with Run the Jewels, sure. it's crazy some of the people that are, like, there just at the show checking it out. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the dude, that dude What's from Gym Class Heroes was there. Oh, yeah. What's his name? Travi. McCoy? Uh, Andre 3000 from Outcast oh, was in the house. He'd been coming mm-hmm. out to the shows. I mean, these guys aren't out walking the floor, sure. but they're up on that, like, one balcony for the, like, Oh, yeah. Fool's Gold Records had, like, a whole balcony reserved for them. That sounds about right. They had some squad up there. <laughs> it sounds about right. They had, some, they had one dude you would have loved, though. Their opening DJ was called The Gas Lamp Killer. I know who that is. Which is yeah, yeah. an incredible that. name for a DJ, but he just, like, the second half of his set was him just doing, like, trap remixes of 8-bit Nintendo songs. Like, there was, like, Castlevania and, like, yeah, Legend yeah, yeah. of Zelda and all this stuff, and he played, like, a version of National Anthem by Radiohead. He was interesting. He has an album I think I have on iTunes. It just sounds like a, a Victorian horror movie soundtrack. It doesn't even, it's, yeah, like, it barely music. Right. It's just, like, I think Gaslamp Killer is an incredible name. Yeah, great name. Oh, yeah, top-level band name. 
You know, like really, really top level stuff. Yeah, um, but uh, so the show was great. It was a good time. It was a blast. I recommend anybody go see them. Uh, not really. We went. We got into town at about maybe three o'clock. The mm-hmm. doors didn't open until seven, so we just found a bar a couple blocks up, some weird place called Jake's Saloon. Jake's Saloon. Where we just we went in there. It was like the first place we found that looked like it wasn't going to be you know seventy dollar beers. Yes. You know, because we didn't want to find a place Fair. that was like too upscale in the area of Manhattan. We were, we were like right in mm-hmm. Hell's Kitchen. There were a lot of places where you looked at them and you're like, yeah, this is not the place for us to go, like casually have mm-hmm. beers. But uh, Jake's Saloon reminded me of, like bars from from home, bars from around here. You know what I mean? It reminded me of something almost like a like Nail Creek or like Cozars yeah. or the Columbia or something. We were just like real casual. So we sat in there for a while before we walked over to the show. We also had a case of UCs in the trunk, so we were slamming some UCs before Power the show. move. That's a smart power yeah. move. I've done yeah. that many a time. But they had like, there's like four or five bars in Terminal 5 and they had girls yes. walk around like selling shots too. I want to say the last show I saw at Terminal 5 was of Montreal, and I was very happy to be on the ground level because it gives you a really interesting view of like everything yeah. that's happening around you. It's a really mm. unique environment. Yeah, I'd be, cool. I would be happy to go back there for another show. Yeah. I really would. They think you wrestling there sometimes. Do they? I think they do. That'd be interesting. We'll have to look into that. Uh, so while you were out enjoying the, uh, the killer, killer sessions and sounds of Run the Jewels, I was doing the layman's work. I was getting that content ready. I actually watched... The entire Oscars presentation. Did you really? Night. Oh, my did. God. I'm so sorry. How was that? I did. Uh, listen, you know, I'm sure if people want to go into in-depth review of the Oscars, there's a billion places they can go do it, which is why I'm not hitting it right off the top of the bat. I'll just point out a couple of things I thought were pretty, like, hit or miss, right? Uh, Jimmy Kimmel was hosting. Nice. He was actually pretty funny. Jimmy Kimmel's, like, underrated. Yeah, I like I Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel's the funny yeah. all the time, and everything he does, his show's pretty good, too. I like that Kimmel has sort of come around into, like, this... Uh, not like a second career, but like he's he's become more sure of himself. I feel like in the no, last I know two what years, you mean, yeah. and like stepped out onto his own. It's good. Uh, I thought he was really funny. He did a couple bits where he actually brought in a tour bus of strangers into the Oscars. Like they thought they were coming into something else, and they opened the door and they were in the front row of the Oscars. Uh, there was huh. just some dude named like I think it was Gary from Chicago, and everyone was just on their phone like trying to get people like Meryl Streep's in the front row, like taking selfies with these people. It was actually. Pretty entertaining. Uh, not great television, but certainly entertaining. Um, shout out to my dude, and I'm going to screw his name up because I screwed up a lot. Mahershala Ali, I think is how it said. Is uh, that Remy Dayton from House of Cards? Yes, Remy Dayton yes. from House of Cards. Uh, looking super classy right off the bat, one supporting actor. Just started off the night like, yeah, my dude Remy Danton, getting it done. He mm-hmm. was really good. Um, obviously, the thing that people are going to talk about is the ending, which was weird. Uh, and a lot of people, like, Here's the, the new culture, right? Like, something happens, and then immediately people go on Twitter and freak out about it, right? Sure. And then, like, 25 minutes later, there's more of the story, and suddenly it becomes less, like, insidious and more innocuous, mm-hmm. right? And I think that kind of happened last night. Like, people seemed to think that there was some insidiousness. So what did they do? They called the wrong movie? All right, so I'll give you a quick recap, right? So uh, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway come out to hand out Best Movie, right? Mm-hmm. And they name all the movies, and he opens... And Warren Beatty opens the envelope, and he looks at it for a long time. Like, it takes a long beat and looks at it. And he's like, uh... Like, picks it up and kind of looks at it, and he shows it to Faye Dunaway, and she's like, mm-hmm. And he's like, uh... Uh, La La Land, right? It was really awkward. And awkward to the point where I was watching, I'm like, is this, like, just a bad, like, bit that he's doing? Is he just, like, bad material? He's trying to be funny? Like, can't read the... Like, I don't know, I couldn't figure out what was going on. So La La Land people come up and they get up on stage and people are like, okay, La La Land, yay, yay, La La Land, right? Mm-hmm. And then the La La Land director gets up on stage and he starts going into his speech 
And all of a sudden, you can see a lot of action happening behind him, but like in front of the rest of the crew. Right. Where someone comes scrambling out and is holding up this envelope and showing it to the producer, who I, I got his name earlier and I forgot to write it down because I'm a jerk, but he was the most fascinating person. This sort of like bald, white uh, producer guy who comes out and actually says, like, who holds up the thing. So anyway, <laughs> the director's giving the speech and he's like, well, hang, hang on a second. Well, we lost anyway. And the crowd sort of went, huh? And then the producer comes standing. He's like, "No, this is not a joke. <laughs> like Moonlight won," and he holds up like the thing, and people freaked out. And it was a really weird moment, and it'll probably be the moment that people will talk about for years to come. Like this really strange moment where Warren Beatty like called the wrong name. So did they find out what the hell happened? Yes, because presenters come in from both. Warren Beatty was just banged up on quaaludes. No, no, that's what that would have been a better story. That's kind of what I was hoping, right? right? Because I think that would be hilarious. Just Beatty out there with Faye Dunaway, just hammered off like white wine spritzers and quaaludes in the back because they still think it's 1976. Like, that'd be amazing. True. Um, but, like, you know, what happened is there's presenters coming off from both sides of the stage and they give them envelopes depending on what side of the stage they were on, right? So they handed him the envelope. There were two envelopes for each category. And they handed him the envelope for best actress. So when he opened it up, it said, Emma Stone, La La Land. He didn't know what to do. They gave him the actual wrong envelope. He didn't just, like, look at it and go, I can't read this or I'm not going to say this. Do you know what I mean? Like, huh. it was very strange. Like, the, the company came out and... Do you kinda... think somebody lost their job? No. No, I don't think, you don't think so. Somebody, you don't think somebody, somebody mm. had to, like, take the fall for giving them the wrong envelope? I'm sure it's somebody a, it's somewhere. A celebration, I, don't know, I think man. somebody like, lost the job. It's a big talking point now. People were talking a lot about the Oscars today because of it. it's probably the most interesting thing to happen to the Oscars, and that's kind of the point I wanted to make. Up until the end of this Oscars, the last two minutes, right? The whole thing was very ho hum. Like, yeah, Oscars was, are always a snooze. It was fine. Kimmel was pretty funny. He trolled Matt Damon for most of the Oscars, which I is like actually that. a highlight of the entire. Jimmy Kimmel thing. versus Matt Damon is it's, one of my favorite. Favorite like running jokes that you see from people. <laughs> it's never not funny to me. I just think it's the funniest damn thing. Nice. Um, so that was really good. But up until the ending, there was really not much to talk about. It pretty mm. much went right as you did go. It all in sweep like pretty hard on a lot no, of. No, it didn't. He got six out of fourteen. A lot. It was pretty scattered. Six is all right. Six is good. But Unless you I got think... like six of like the the trash ones that nobody cares about. Not to yeah. you know belittle the work of the people who do the ones for the trash awards, but like. <laughs> Best costume I know design is not the same thing as best actor. I thought the layout of the show was really weird, right? So they did best supporting actor, best supporting actress right off the bat. Like, um, you know, my son. I already screwed his name up again. Uh, Mahershala Ali and Viola Davis. Like, bam, bam, not too, not too far away from each other. Mm. Start off the night like, all right, cool, great. I like both these people, right? Mm. And then, like, for about three hours, it went into technical awards. Like, there was never any attempt to, like, space out the big awards in between it. Yeah. I feel, And then I feel like when they got to the end, they jammed a lot of the end awards together real quick. Like, all right. of a sudden, it was like, bam, 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 we're done here. And it was like... Makes sense. I don't know. I feel like you'd want to spread it out. That's just me. Uh, however, um, I think it was a good example of... The only thing that was interesting about it was watching this thing happen in real time and watch it all sort of collapse very quickly. Like it was a weird, interesting moment in television. I'm glad I watched it live, if for nothing else than for those last, like, minute and a half where mm -hmm. they screw up the name call. It was an interesting thing to watch happen. Right. Very strange, right? I'm glad I watched it live. I wouldn't have been as interested in it had I not seen it live. Yeah, I saw it everywhere today because we didn't get back from New York until, like, 4.30 yeah. in the morning, which is much later than I'm used to these days. Um, but I, when I was, like, I woke up, but probably like 11 today and I was just like looking through and you know scrolling through the news you mm. do sometimes you wake up and I saw all this stuff and I didn't really read about it and didn't really watch it like I could tell just from the headlines I'm like yeah. alright all right, fine mm. but I don't really 
my care for it only goes so far, I suppose. It was interesting because I had no horses in the race. I only saw one movie this year, and I didn't think it was going to win anything. So it was just sort of like, I'm going to watch this whole thing and see how it unfurls, right? There you go. Anyhow, uh, one more piece of movie news. Sad piece of movie news. Bill I Paxton. heard about this yesterday. Yeah, Bill Paxton died earlier this week. Dude, he week. was what, like 60, 61? 61, which, which kind of... What like, happened to him? I didn't even hear. I just I heard it like somebody mentioned it in the car on the way back last night. We're all here's half asleep. complications from surgery. Oh, damn. Like, not even, like, he wasn't sick. Just, like, that's what gets you. It's like, I swear to God, this is going to sound stupid. Like, he was on Mark Maron's podcast, like, three weeks ago. Yeah. And he was, and I, I like Bill Paxton just fine. I loved Aliens as a kid. I must have watched it a million times. Yeah. And when I went back and looked at the list of all the movies that he's been in, I was kind of blown away. Dude, Bill Paxton's been in a ton of stuff. ton of stuff. He's weird, right? Because he's a guy who's been in a ton of movies and a ton of really successful movies. Yeah. I mean, the guy was in Titanic, for God's sakes. But, like, he doesn't really have that same, yeah, like, A-list <laughs> pull that a lot of guys do you know he's like sort of like a forgotten actor but man he's been doing work for a long time i think about when i was going through the lists and i was trying to figure out what movies i forgot twister made sense titanic i forgot he was sort of in but once you mentioned it now i kind of remember where he was but what shocks me is apollo 13 that i forgot he was in apollo 13 because i must have watched that movie like 50 times when i was a kid i love that movie and yeah. he's a big part of that movie he's one of those guys who always just sort of like faded into the background I, mean, I don't know if that makes him like a great actor or if it just means that he's like not super memorable i don't know what it is but because we were looking through the list of movies he's been in and stuff like that like it's a lot of stuff yeah and you brought up one of my favorite uh movies that he was in and one of the, one of my more underrated movies is somebody who likes like horror movies and thrillers and suspense and all that uh, frailty, frailty. Yeah. He was awesome in Frailty. Everybody should go check out Frailty if you haven't seen it. It's him and uh, McConaughey and uh, a couple other couple other people. That's a great movie, though. Great <laughs> I movie. Like, I liked him a lot. I remember having like deep discussions with my friend Jacob Banzer, who's an actor in New York. Shout out to Jacob Banzer, good friend of the pod, and also me. We both <laughs> we both like bonded talking over. Bill Paxton, because he lo- he's like, I watched Alien so many times, like, game over, man, game over. Like, that that scene is like a legendary scene in action movie history, right? right? Like, he's so good in that movie, and it's just, that's what I'll always think of, I think, when I think of him, is just Aliens. Like, that's that's the thing. Ah, oh, yeah, Bill Paxton. All right, let's listen, let's talk about something good. You want to talk about something good instead? Uh, yeah, that'd be a first. Let's hear it. Hey, man. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? I, how about it? We got new planets. Did you read about this one? I did the Trappist <laughs> system. Yeah, the Trappist. Thou cometh to the Trappist system. Uh, yeah, so NASA's Spitzer Space Station Telescope revealed a new exoplanet discovery, the first known system of seven Earth-sized planets around a single star. Um, so apparently... This is a uh, sets a record for the greatest number of habitable zone habitable zone planets found in a single star system outside of our solar system. Right. I uh, I don't know. I'm excited about this. I think this is like a dope discovery. This is stuff that I makes me very happy because I read so much crummy news when I'm trying to comb through these shows. And this was a couple. This was like five six days ago. This came yeah. out, and I was sort of waiting to talk about. Yeah, man. This. I'm a big uh, I'm a big I'm a big space guy. I like mm-hmm. space. I like science. I like all that stuff. Um, this is, I think it's important to note, um, habitable zone planets. With that, that doesn't mean that these planets are necessarily able to support life. Correct. But what it is, there's a lot of planets, I think there's seven in the system, that fall within the zone relative to, like, their distance from their star, where it would make sense that, like, their temperature and all their other elements mm-hmm. would be right for forming life. The same way that, like, Earth is in the right position. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're far yes. enough away, but we're not too far away that we can have it. That's what's going on out here. So it's not like they found a bunch of planets with, you know, water and an atmosphere and all that stuff. 
But if there's going to be planets that can have that kind of thing, these would all be pretty good candidates. Uh, NASA, this is from NASA's website, it says that uh, all of these seven planets could have liquid water, key to life as we know it, under the right atmospheric conditions, but the chances are highest within three of these habitable zone planets. So, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is a quote from Thomas Zerberkin. Your boy. Uh, he said, this discovery could be a significant piece in the puzzle of finding habitable environments, places that are conductive to life. Uh, answering the questions, are we alone, is a top scientific priority, and finding so many planets like these for the first time in the habitable zone is a remarkable step forward toward that goal. Uh, only 40 light years from Earth. Only about yeah, 40. Just a little casual hop, <laughs> skip, and a jump there. Uh, as you do, 235 trillion miles. <laughs> That's the thing about space, man. Uh... People, there's a lot of good people. There's a lot of good names on Reddit that people are coming up with for the new system. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna list any because I didn't pull up a page for it. But cool. uh, I like the Trappist system. I'm not totally yeah, against Trappist that as a name. Good. Um, and I do have one more piece of news for you that I think you'll like. Uh, well, one good, one bad, right? Okay. Uh, start the bad one first. Uh, Donald Trump news, right? Donald, right? Donald Trump will be the first president in 36 years who has decided he is not going to attend the White House Correspondents' Dinner, which is the most obvious story because he hates the news. Well, of course not. He's a fucking crybaby who's going to get made fun of the entire time. <laughs> he hates the And media. he can't stand that. He's, he's thin-skinned um, and narcissistic. And I mean, people can argue about that, but it's not like wrong. It's demonstrably true. Um, the last time that a president missed it, the only time a president missed it was when Ronald Reagan missed it. Uh, and the reason that Ronald Reagan missed it is because he was recovering from being shot by a guy. Yes. And he did phone in to make some remarks over the phone because this stuff used to be important before we started living in a dystopian nightmare. <laughs> uh, and France has the right idea. This would make our GFOP Steve Anderson very upset. French voters are calling for Barack Obama to run in their country's presidential Out election. France? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like, what are your thoughts on this as a post-presidential career move for uh, for Barry is to go out and be the president of France? <laughs> I, I, if, I I fully support it. I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's the best. Um, if only, if only because I want his campaign song out there to be the that Kanye and Jay Z song that I can't say the name of. Yeah, the radio. yeah, that would uh, be amazing. Paris. Yes, yes, that yes. would be excellent. Classic. I mean, if hey, if they've got nobody else, we got to get Barry out there somewhere. That'd be so cool. <laughs> so far, there's already thirty thousand signatures uh, asking for the former president uh, to take a role in their leadership. Uh, I think that's amazing. Yeah. That's um, really cool. Oh, I want to do one more thing before we go to break and get to our interview. What if somebody did that? Man, that'd be unprecedented, though. Like, think about that. Like, if just a former president of the United States went out and became the president of like France or wherever. Yeah. I'm a highly learned man, and I know I can tell by the way you say learned that you are highly learned. <laughs> and I'll say this: I, I knowing what I know about France, I think that as president of France, you can get away with a little more than you can in America. He could probably keep smoking and still be president in France. You probably love it. They, they love. I they feel love like yeah, they're there. big fans. Uh, so here we go. Yeah. Oh, I want to address last week's uh, Twitter poll that I put up because yeah. we got some decent responses on Twitter poll. People seem to like Twitter poll. I love it. Uh, so our question was, how should uh, SF Doom irresponsibly spend a portion of his tax refund? I can see the, the the Twitter pool from over here, from across the table. I can't see what the options are, but I can see two of the options look pretty close. The other one, everybody thinks is a bad idea. Yes. So, so I'm interested to see which one that is. Uh, 48%. Uh, the winner was an Xbox or a PlayStation 4, which was one combined category. Right. 48%. Uh, following close by 47%. Was dope leather jacket. God people, damn it, people! <laughs> people were really strong on dope leather jacket, uh, and then five percent said two vamp. Um, they don't because they don't know. That's wrong. Wrong said the the polls are rigged. 
Yeah, yeah. The uh, poll is rigged. A couple of people who said the same thing as you, uh, GFOP uh, at Techno Bad Guy said, the masses need a pick of the two bams so they can vote right. Uh, and then, of course, uh, your dude uh, at underscore Kid Corey said, God, I need a description of the amp before I can make a call. So... I None of these guys are wrong because you can't just go out there and say, "Oh, two bands." Like yeah. you need to, you need to know what you want, I guess. But man, let a lot of leather jacket fans. The summer yeah. comes upon us. Uh, yeah. So good Twitter poll. I like that one. That was fun. Do we want to talk about how it's been like seventy all week in February? We can. We, we can talk. We want to talk about that horror. Uh, no, man, because now it's cold now. So so cold. Well, global I was just outside. It is not cold even a little bit. Uh, no, but it was cold earlier. So global warming's a myth. It was cold this morning. Do you know oh, that? do you not? Yeah. Well, no, I knew that it was a Chinese hoax, but I wasn't (laughs) sure if it was a myth as well. Uh, I have a new Twitter poll, but I think it's something we're going to need to discuss with each other before we put it out. So let's save it for after uh, our interview. Ooh, poll the the Twitter. Yeah, new Twitter poll. So uh, this week's interview with longtime, uh, I'm not even going to call her GFOP. I've known Katie Riley since we were... Oh, we're jumping right in, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've known Katie since we were in middle school we were on colgate seminar together right and ever since then she's been one of uh, the more important friends in my life she's very supportive and uh obviously for those of you who don't know her as friends you probably know her as a uh very vital important member of the utica community whether in maiden utica or new york sash or helping her mom with the wish fairy or former everywhere dude, Katie she does for everything mayor. man katie, katie for, for mayor. mayor she could she could ease i am not joking of all the people i know who could run for mayor and probably win it's probably just you and katie that's it. No, man. I, we will let Katie win, and I'll be the guy who does the dirt behind the scenes. Mm. That's how I want to be the Doug Stamper to her Frank Underwood. Wish you had told me that before the interview. Let's, uh, let's What so happened? I could have brought it up to her. She uh, probably would have been into it. Uh, let's get into our interview with my very good friend, Kate Riley. Which is not my friend. She's just your friend. Our very good friend. That's my friend, too. All of our very good friends. Let's put a Twitter poll to see who Katie likes better. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Twitter <laughs> movies did you actually watch this year? I don't even know. I watched one. I know nothing about it. What are the main movies that are Let's see. La La Land. No, didn't see it. Did you see Arrival? I did. Did you like it? I really liked Arrival. Okay. I really like weird sci-fi movies though and anything about (laughs) aliens or next world shit so yeah Yeah, I really enjoyed Arrival a lot. Did you see Moonlight? No. I wanted to see Moonlight. Did you see uh, what else is up for it? Uh, I saw Hidden Figures, which was really good. I really wanted to see that. That's about the NAS, the woman yeah, working in NASA, right? Yeah. I didn't see Fences, and I didn't see Hacksaw Ridge, and I don't know what else there is. Yeah, something I'm called not, Lion. I'm really bad at keeping like up to date on the newest mm-hmm. movies, so I usually see yeah. things like two years after they come out. But I like film, and maybe it's because growing up with our mutual friend Adam Goldstein, who you know he's a film guy, so yeah. we'll, when we watch movies, he'll be like, "Look at this camera edit. Look at yeah. the way this is cut." Like, I like that. I'm very fascinated in that. But I also don't go to the movies. Like, I just, I don't, I feel, it yeah. feels like a waste of money once sometimes. In a, once in a while, it's fun to go to the movies. I actually saw Arrival at Capitol Cinema mm-hmm. in Rome, which really? was really cool because it made me feel like the Uptown used to feel. 
Like it's this really small. <laughs> I thought it was going to be in Capitol Theater, like their theater, but it wasn't. It's this like really small um, little cinema next door, and it's very much mm. like an uptown. Like there was like two really small like cinemas, and popcorn was like two dollars, and the ticket was like six dollars. And you still catch fringe like movie theaters like yeah. that out in weird places. Like Clinton used to have an old time theater that was very small, and it was had kind of the same vibes. It was like, oh, this is yeah. cool. It's got like the vi- the velvet curtains on the side. Um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. God, I just I don't know. I can't. Here's my. This is the rule I've come to with movies in the theater. This is a patented Udicast rule. I've talked about it before. <laughs> I only like to go see movies in the theater that I think will benefit from seeing them on the big screen. That's why I wanted to see Arrival, to be honest. Arrival, right, yeah. right. Like because this... Adam Goldstein kept tweeting about it. <laughs> and I remember seeing his tweets, and I was like, I need to see this. And funny enough, I went with Rachel originally to the marquee, what we thought was the last day hmm. to see it. And it was actually the first day it was gone. So we <laughs> went to the movies, and she suckered me into seeing um, some... Nocturnal Animals, which actually was really good. Really? That's yeah. a very divisive movie. I've heard div- It I've was heard divisive weird. Things. It yeah. was one of those movies that ended, and you're just like, did that end? Is that an ending? Like, <laughs> yeah. is, this, is this over? Like, do I want my money back, or am I really pleased about it? I don't know. <laughs> those are good, though. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so, Kate, I need to... Uh, we've got... See, we already got... I yeah. told you we were going to get the 13 minutes. <laughs> uh, so, listen, before we get into the bulk of our interview... Uh, and I'm going to be referring to you by a variety of names throughout this interview. You like you usually do. Kate, yeah. Catherine, Katie. I just got to break yeah. it up. It's important. Yeah. Uh, I need to ask you one important question before we get into the interview proper. Okay. I wanted to talk to you about this last week because it was fresh off of it happening, but you were at the Syracuse Duke oh my God. buzzer beater. Oh, my God. At Syracuse. That game was insane. <laughs> now, let me ask you. I didn't watch, I didn't dig through the tape to see if I could see you. Did you or did you not storm the court? <laughs> no, I was in the 300 levels. I think storming the court is so stupid. Although, I was there for Virginia, which was... Um, uh, Bayheim's like technically like thousandth win or whatever. Yeah. And they stormed the court. And even then, I was like rolling my eyes. Like I was with my nephews for that game, and they're like, "Can we go?" And I'm like, "No, absolutely not. Let's go." Like, well, you know. the, I've been to enough Syracuse games to know what the atmosphere is like there for a regular games. So I can't yeah. imagine what it must have been. It was like. crazy. It was like the biggest attendance of the uh, season, and it was great. I like um, was very impressed with how much um, they booed Grayson Allen every single time he had the ball even for like minuscule amounts of seconds it'd be like boop, boop, boop. <laughs> but yeah it was an awesome game to be at uh, so if you haven't uh, figured out by now I'm talking to my very good friend uh, long time working friend personal friend business friend GFOP Kate Riley yeah Way back, high school. Um, way back, yeah. the way back machine. Um, so I didn't have a byline for you because there are numerous bylines. <laughs> you are the marketing director at New York Sash. You are one of the leading reasons why Maiden Utica exists. <laughs> uh, you also, you're all over the place. Yeah. You're, you're hard to pin down. Uh, and we'll get into that in a sec, but I want to start initially. I think I know the answers to most of these questions already, but I don't think our listeners do. Okay. Kate, where were you Where were you born? Utica, New York, of course. <laughs> were you a St. Luke's person? Or are you a... yeah. Mm-hmm. East Yuga. My parents still live in the house where I was, well, you know, where I came home to. So East Utica, that's JFK Middle School. And yep. where'd you go for elementary? Albany Street. Albany, Albany Street, yeah. Albany Magnet School. <laughs> now, I think I know this too, but you, you, your parents are still married. I know both your parents are great mm-hmm. people. Yep. How many sisters, siblings, family do you have? Four siblings. Uh, Four siblings. One brother. Mm-hmm. They're all 10 or more years older than me, so I'm very the much youngest. this surprise baby. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of cool growing up because it was like, uh, 
I was a spoiled only child, but with all these older siblings to take care of me and take me places. So, so there was a time, and I'm very curious about this because I, I, I'm in the same sort of boat as you where I was the youngest of three kids, but I was significantly younger. Mm-hmm. So you remember a time when everyone was under the same roof? No, I don't remember no, that, okay. mm-hmm. actually. Because my sister was 16 when okay. I was born, and she was very rebellious, and she was mm-hmm. out of the house. So she was out of the house by the time I was probably like, two or three I, okay. I think mm-hmm. but I do remember uh, the other four or the other three yeah, yeah. being there and mm-hmm. me and my sister actually shared a room for a long time which is funny I feel bad for her because I don't know how she felt sharing when she's 15 sharing with like a five year old you know but there's only so many rooms in a house I was the only boy so my two sisters did sadly get pushed off into one yeah. room together and they were they were high school age at the same time and they were like not in the same friends crew is an interesting yeah. dynamic to like yeah. have these two sisters who are close in age but not like necessarily yeah. friendly if you will right like they, they're not yeah they were kind of rivalry i don't know did you have, did you have do you have sibling rivalry at all did you guys never have that or um not so much no hmm. we're very like a cohesive bunch we're all like really different um but we hmm. get along and we support each other a lot like i mean you you, hmm. you know but like Four of us work together. Oh, like yeah. Four of the five work together still. And well, the only reason I bring that up, and I'm not assuming that there is. The only reason I say it is, uh, my sisters were kind of close in age, and they were, and they were younger. Yeah. They brussled up against each other. But I think with the age difference between my sisters and I, dispelled that. Like even as a little kid, when there was an age difference, they just thought of me as kind of cute, and it was never yeah. around as much. I think it helped, ha- it stopped us from having that sibling rivalry yeah. ever. We felt like more of a I unit. I mean, maybe some of them did when that, mm-hmm. like they were in mm-hmm. high school, but not that I remember anyway, really. So I didn't know you until Proctor, I suppose. Oh, I probably met you when you were going to JFK. Yeah. But what was uh, what were you like in JFK? If you if you had to think, like, what was your were you a jock? Oh, were you a God. nerd? No, I used to follow around the skater boys all the time, <laughs> listening to Coheed and Cambria. Say, how do you know that? <laughs> yeah, Katie Coheed. You know my phone that going for to, years. Um, me and Amanda Goldstein going to uh, my Chemical Romance shows. Mm. Now, this is interesting, because a lot of times when I ask people where they went to high school, uh, they'll say, like, Whitesboro, or Hartford, or Notre Dame, or whatever, and these are yeah. all singular things, but growing up in Utica goes to, like, a lot of different yeah. schools. What would you say the stereotype growing up for JFK kids was, growing up in JFK? Did you know of one, and did you feel like you represented it? No, I don't think so. I think the greatest thing, I think you would probably agree with me about, like, Utica schools is, I mean, there were definitely, like, athletic types, and, you know, air quotations, popular mm. types, and and nerdy types, but I feel like their friends groups really, like, intermixed mm. a lot, you it's know? true. I think, uh, I tell that to a lot of the kids I deal with at school. Like, once you get from the middle school up to Proctor, uh, I never understood high school, growing up, I'm watching, like, high school TV shows with, yeah. like, the popular kids. Yeah. And the nerds and the jo- I didn't feel like that, really. Because Proctor was so big, it was, you would hang with the people who you felt like you connected with. And that was it. Like, you, if you saw a bunch of kids who were, like, dressed up in, like, preppy clothes, acting like douches, like, look at those guys, a bunch yeah. of nerds. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't yeah. think of them like, oh, God, those guys are so cool. You yeah. just could be who you wanted to be, which I think is something kind of underappreciated about the Utica school system, at least for me, it oh, was. I love, I'm a, a big champion of, like, Proctor High School. I mean, yeah. I you work in there, but I meant, I mean, I know it's probably significantly different now, but, like, I thought yes and no. it was a great experience going there. It, it looks a little different, but I gotta be honest, the, the things that we... It's still the same to a certain extent, because it's still the same, still drawing from the same group of, yeah. like, local, you know, individuals. Right. I love I love what... I, I, I say this all the time in the show, and I feel like I'm gonna beat, beat it to death by the time we get to episode 100, but... 
the fact that going to Proctor allows you to intermingle with so many different types of people, whether it's race or sexuality or orientation or whatever, your family lifestyle, where you're from, where you're going, it sets you up to go to the real world in a different way. I totally agree. Like, when I go to New York City and I walk around, I don't notice it. I remember going to New York City once with a buddy of mine who wasn't from Proctor, went to, like, Whitesboro, Notre Dame type mm-hmm. schools, and I could see that he was somewhat, uh, like, flummoxed. Yes. Like, by the, like, wait a minute, what's, what is this? Like, where That's how where I am felt I? Yeah. at Syracuse, mm. you know? I had a, my roommate was, mm. you know, some princess, you know, to say, (laughs) to put it lightly, who was very rich and, you know, from New Jersey and was, like, very uncomfortable in certain situations where I'm just like, what? Well, it's funny. Syracuse is a big part of your brand, your personal brand. Yeah, it is. Um, It is. I've never actually asked you, what was your, you went to Syracuse uh, after, you didn't do in between, right? You didn't go to MV first. No. So you went right to Syracuse. Yeah. What did you go for? Well, I wanted to be a lawyer. Really? I was actually, um... I was actually in a pre-law program. I was already, like, accepted through, like, the SU law program, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I went for political science. And then I really... No, I started with history. And mm. I had some terrible history professors. And it really... Because mm. I loved history in high school. My mom loves history. So, mm. you know, it was always part of my life. But going to those, like, 100-level classes, yeah. I hated it. So I shifted gears into political science, and then I shifted into um, policy studies, which I liked more because that's a lot more mm. like working with um, like NGOs, nonprofits, mm. um, more of the how to get things done, mm. which actually kind of affects me now, I think. Sure. That's a lot that of sense. why yeah. I am the way I am, I think, because it mm. teaches you how to think in ways of accomplishing benchmarks and tasks right. and whatnot. And um, I was also a music industry minor. Hmm. I think I knew that about you. I think I ran in... I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer because that's totally feasible in Utica. Let me ask you a question, and this is just something I'm curious about as an outsider, if you will. My sister went to Syracuse Musical Theater, so as a kid, I remember going to SU and like going to see Syracuse football games back when McNabb was there, right? There seems to be this... What is it about Syracuse as like a campus and a city that's so attractive to people? I, I have a hard time putting it into words sometimes. There's oh, a real it's like, feel the, like it. the quintessential college experience. Yeah. You go on campus and you're like, this is college. Yeah. Like, I remember going there, um, looking at schools, and yeah. you know the leaves are floating around me, and there's people mm. drinking their coffees and the big college buildings, and you yeah. know it just feels like big sports school. Lots going on, like a lot of house party you know it's just like the experience the all around experience before I think before it moved locations when Funkin' Waffles was still near uh, Syracuse University they when it just was... closed their doors did they did you hear uh, that no, this week hear because really? they're Chucks uh, is closing too they're tearing no. down that oh, that man. block yeah uh, Drexel sorry, doesn't like it sorry <laughs> to sorry to just put a damper on oh, that man. for you, you oh, but, dude Chucks I feel like the statute of limitations is over now to say that one time me and Adam Goldstein who we discussed earlier paid for drinks at Chucks using tips that somebody left on the bar <laughs> That's the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Like, I still feel terrible about it. Oh, my God. Um, that but yeah, is chucks, great. Chucks. No, I, I think that's right. was a cool spot, too, though, yeah. Because I was playing in the bands at that time, and then that was in my, like, I don't need to go to college years. Yeah. Uh, but I remember when we would go to Syracuse, what was nice about it is you would expect to see, it's going to sound weird, people who looked like you. People yeah. who would come see your band, not because it was the thing that was playing at the 
at the bar that night, but yeah. because like, oh, I heard that they're like playing with this other band and they knew stuff. It was yeah. like, it was nice to go to a place where you're like, yes, yeah, some interesting like vibes and culture here. It didn't always feel when I was here at that yeah. time. So, so Syracuse University, you wanted to be a lawyer, you get all sidetracked doing other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I had, I think I wanted to be a lawyer because it was very like idealistic, sure. but I don't actually have the balls to do it. Maybe, I, I mean, I'm a very different person now, but my anxiety got in the way of a lot of things. Sure, sure. Um, because I went through this phase where I, like, was terrified of public speaking. Um, yeah. Very, like, crippling fear. Like, I went to counseling in Syracuse for mm-hmm. it because, like, anytime I have to get up and talk in front of the class, and I'm like, I can't be a lawyer if I can't do this. Little did I know there's, like, all kinds of law, you oh, know. Yeah. But I was like... You know, I mean, everything works out for a reason because mm-hmm. I'm very happy with the way that sure. my path has taken me. But honestly, that's a big part of why I, I switched gears was realizing that, you know, being a lawyer required certain amount of, you know, personal qualifications that I just wasn't really comfortable with. See, that's, that's, that's very fascinating to me. I don't want to get off track, but I'm glad you brought up the public speaking thing. Being the kind of guy that I was growing up, I thought about lawyer as a profession for a different reason. I'm like, I could do that. I could stand up in front of people and, like, do... It's basically acting, right? Yeah. Like, I'd, there's a certain amount of, uh, like, parallel distinction between those two things. Like, okay, you could use these same skill sets. My problem was I started having, like, ethical questions about, like, wait a minute, what, what kind of I job know, is this, too. right? Like, wait, yeah. what do I want to do with, like... What if I know this guy is bad? This, this dude's a yeah. bad... Do you know what I mean? Like, that was always a problem. And again, yeah. that's kind of a naive, young way to think about I it. Know, yeah. But you've gotten quite good with your public speaking, I feel like, over the last few years since yeah. I've known you. Yeah, and, things have shifted, for sure. Well, and again, I never understood that concept, because people always say that's the number one fear most people have is public speaking. And for me, growing up being band guy, musical theater guy, I never got that. So to me, the idea of standing up in front of somebody and just pouring my neuroses out in front of them for them to judge and listen to. That's, like, totally <laughs> fine. Like, no I'm into deal. it. Just another day. Yeah, yeah. it's normal. Uh, but, like, I, I never think about it as something that's scary in that way until I meet somebody who's had to, like, say, like, no, I, I don't... You see it sometimes with people who like, no, I just, I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. Sometimes the microphones come out and they just, like, I gotta shrink up a <laughs> No, I bit. know. I mean, I still struggle with it. I still, like, get nervous in certain scenarios. And it's funny now, like, whenever I'm doing Made in Utica stuff and I'll, like, address the crowd or something mm-hmm. and... Erin, I'll get off stage and Erin Nushus will be like, you did really good. I'm so proud of you because she knows like internally my insides are like screaming or yeah. even just being on camera, like doing news or news interviews and stuff. Mm. Like I, I, I feel very proud to say like I never could have done that years mm. ago. So I've definitely like somehow managed to overcome that, which well, is pretty cool. From my opinion, I think just from an outsider's perspective of watching you, I think you've come more into terms of having understanding what your voice sounds like. And I don't mean yeah. the sound of your voice, but I'm mean, like the kind of words that you feel comfortable standing behind, mm-hmm. right? That's that's content. Really the key. Yeah, yeah, content is important. Content is key. Content is king. <laughs> so let's talk about Made in Utica for just a minute because yeah. you I think that we probably fell into like what is made in Utica right around the same time because you were not yeah. initially there right off the bat what was the first no. time made in Utica came into your spectrum um <laughs> Kevin Sullivan coming up to me at Lucan's on a Saturday Thursday and be like I need you to meet someone and like dragging this guy over with like some raggedy book bag <laughs> and shoving like a bunch of business cards in my face which is Justin obviously of course. 
And then that same night, he got in a fight with Sarah Foster over Sylvan Beach. I very particularly remember these things. But yes. Kevin was like, you two need to be friends. Like, you two need to meet. And we were doing this thing. And then um, gradually, like, I would see, like, Kevin and Justin out at the bar. And we would talk about it a lot. And, um, you know, and then I just, like, little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. I would help out. You know, I used to, like, help out with, like, press releases and, and things. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until maybe, like... I don't know, a year and a half ago or something. Mm. I don't know, two two years ago that um, I wanted to do more, yeah. and I finally was like, uh, Justin, I'm going to do all the events, and he's like, okay. <laughs> that sounds like something yeah. you'd be okay with. Yeah. Uh, very good. All right. Well, there was something else I did want to talk to you about. I feel like it's got to be hard to jump into something that you didn't necessarily like. It's something that sort of came its way into your own sphere, but now when I think about Maiden Utica, I sort of think about you as like a fundamental like figure of it. Was that like a weird thing to jump into something and suddenly become such a big part of it going forward? Not really, because that's sort of how I do everything. <laughs> I'm sort of like, hey, I want to do this, and now I'm just going to take it over. Sorry. No, like honestly, when I'm interested in something, I like just have to do it full force. And, you know, I think Justin was really receptive to the help and... Mm. Um, he trusted me with my ideas because mm. we had been friends for a while now at that point. And mm. he knew what I was doing because I was doing stuff with the Catalyst group. And, yes, remember that. Um, you know, through the chamber and stuff with New York Sash. So I think he was comfortable mm. with it. And it was just natural for me. Like, I have the background, you know, because now I do marketing. And mm. I had the skills in the background. And honestly, I was... I'm, I'm the type of person that I'm just going to do something. Like, I'm like, all right, give me the passwords to the website. Just give me the stuff. <laughs> and I'm just going to do it until you're either not happy with it or you want to change. <laughs> so that's kind of what happened. Uh, maybe, like, it was right before Utica Day last year. So it was, pro- it was like, a, a little over a year ago, maybe last January or so, and that I started, like, mm-hmm. doing things full force. Yeah. But it's not that weird for me because that's just how mm-hmm. I am, you know. Uh, as someone who is in the Maiden Utica umbrella, I feel very connected to the the company itself. When people ask me what is Maiden Utica, I still sometimes have a hard time describing them to describing yeah. what it is to them. Do you feel the like you have that pitch. the elevator? I have it a hard changes time sometimes in. depending on who's asking. <laughs> That's um, the important key to it. A community group with an entertainment platform mm. is something around mm. what I say. <laughs> if you could, and I, I know my answer. If you could take. If you could, what's the next? If you could add something to Maiden Utica, what would it be? Well, something we don't have yet. Um, that's that is a good question. If we could add something, mm. I, I honestly think we just need more. I don't want to say more people because we have good people, but just time. You know, like everyone's oh, kind of yeah, like great. I work a full time job. Mm. You work like it's hard. Like if I didn't have that full time job, which I love my job very much. Oh so yeah. that's oh, a totally yeah. different side story, but. You know, it's it's hard to like work a full day and then mm. come home and work on projects and, you know, I think um, just the, the ability to kind of because it's hard even now like um the guys from Bite and Nomad want to meet about movies and yeah. it's like I can't really meet during the day I can meet on my lunch break or I can meet at five you know so I think that's a really difficult for me mm. when planning things is oh yeah it, I can't I can't tell you how many podcast interviews get done on Wednesdays and Fridays because those are literally the only two days that I'm not pinned down with like post work grad school yeah. or podcast like prep it's you're you're my same age range. I, do you remember when the days used to seem like they were a lot longer? Yeah. Remember when you didn't look down at your clock and it wasn't like seventeen hours later? And you're like, wait, yeah. what happened to this whole week? Like, yeah. where where did it go? 
I think a lot of my problem too is I'm tired now. I go to bed. I've been going to bed at like nine thirty. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. See, uh, that's that was what I was going to ask you. Like between all the stuff, you can have free time. Like, do you even find like time for yourself anymore? I've been trying. I've been working on that a lot this year. I um, I signed up for something new. Surprise! But. I, I signed up for the ride for missing children. Nice. So I've actually like that's a serious. It's a five hundred mile mm. or one hundred mile bike ride. Mm. And you have to raise five hundred dollars. So it took a serious commitment. Yeah. So, but it, it forces me to like take time mm. like twice a week, three times a week to train. Mm. So I'm like, no, I can't do a meeting because yeah. I have to do this. And I've been a little bit better about like saying no to things and just choosing the things that are like more important to me and more worthwhile. So I have been. I was pretty bad, but I'm, I'm getting better. Speaking of important and worthwhile, I wanted to talk about this because I was talking to Mr. Maiden Utica, Justin Parkinson, about uh, your mom, Sandra yeah. Riley, and her Wish Fairy books. She's so cute. I showed her the website Justin made today, and she cried. <laughs> so she was just at the Turning Stone. I saw this, too, getting yeah. out there doing promotion. Yeah. Let me ask she you. Travels this, everywhere. I'm very curious about this, and I would love to talk to her about it in a longer scale at some point in time, but... Was this, like, something she'd always done, like, storytelling? or like? Yeah, so she wrote the original story for me and, like, gave it to me for yeah. Christmas when I was, like, eight years old. Huh. So these okay. stories have been... Oh, wow. She's an awesome storyteller. Yeah. Like, um, she really should have been, like, an English teacher, I mm. think. But she got carried down raising five kids, you know, stay-at-home yeah. mom. And, of course. Um, but, yeah, she's been developing huh. these stories for a long time. And then she would, like, print them out and just computer paper, yeah, yeah. you know, and, like, bind them and give them to uh, us, and then she started giving them to the grandkids, and one day I'm like, Mom, what are you doing with these? Like, people need to read these. These are great stories, and um, she had, like, two, and then now she has six with two more mm. awaiting copyright. So she's, you know, she's retired. She turned 16, she turned 69 tomorrow. Happy birthday, oh Mom. Oh, my God. And uh, she... Twice a week, Carl and my dad travel. They go all over the state, little bookstores. What's the response been like from most people? Good. Yeah. She already went through her whole first order mm. of the first couple books, and um, she does really well. Like they're in some of the schools, like teachers using yeah. them, and they're in libraries. See, that's really inspiring too, because it's like I always think about like my mom taught for like so many years, forty five years, taught first grade, but then she retired, and I feel like sometimes now that she's retired, she doesn't have enough. She, yeah. she doesn't take in much advantage of the skills that she had. She was so smart and so funny when it came to, like, teaching and, like, doing it. And I'm like, you got to find a creative outlet for something to do now yeah. that you're retired. And it's like, it's crazy that your mom has this talent and ability. Now she's making it happen in yeah. like a crazy way. Yeah, she's, uh, she's great. I mean, I don't know how she gets the energy, to be honest. And It's inspiring. But, uh, yeah. yeah, at 69 to have six books that she basically has self-published. Yeah. I mean, Does she do know, the art, too, or? Um, my cousin does the art. Nice, okay. And... My aunt works with her as like the uh, editor, and that's got to be nice. It's though. like a family affair, but I, having a, a family member as an editor is probably that's. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's. Probably. I was doing it in the beginning, and then I think she got tired of waiting for me because I took too long. So, uh, so before we get into some of the non sequitur questions, I yeah. just got to ask, what's uh, any exciting Maiden Utica news coming up? We should be hitting before the end of this interview as professional Maiden Utica promoters here. <laughs> professional promoters. <laughs> Um, Utica Day will be coming right. up again yeah. I'm at for that. MVCC. Looking forward to it. Um, so we're still finalizing details. I don't have a ton yet, but you know mm-hmm. they'll be being released mm-hmm. in the next couple weeks or so. So Utica Day, like I mentioned, um, we're going to be doing movies and stuff in Franklin Square. 
I'm antsy for summer. Yeah. Last week got me just thinking, it... feeling crazy. It's crazy what a difference it makes. Yeah. Like I, th- we got spoiled by this this seventy degree day in February, but you know, global warming is not real. Yeah, no, no big not deal. At all. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> no, like, and oh, by the way, before I forget, any word in our our stupid coupon book? Have we done anything? Yeah, those will be coming out too. <laughs> right, I think this year is a lot of like refining the things that <laughs> we've already done, and yeah. I'm sure we'll, you know add things at the last minute i don't think we, i don't we don't plan anything unless it's at the last minute usually but a lot of repeats you did a good day i'd love to have the get down downtown get down come back oh, yeah. and the coupon books come back so <laughs> a lot of re, a lot of re, re i don't want to say repeat because that sounds negative but uh second and third and fourth annual things so <laughs> that's good it means to come back around yeah, people yeah. like Okay, so time for the non-sequitur questions. I'm I, ready. I do have a couple that I've added specifically just for you for today. Because you knew uh, that I knew all the other questions. Yeah. Well, one, uh, I got this email last week. Uh, Boilermaker preferred runner's registration. Oh, my gosh. Did you get that? I did. Um, I talked to Jordan Peters of the Boilermaker a few weeks ago on yeah. the show, and he got a little perturbed when I told him that I have given thought to maybe not running it anymore. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you struggled a little bit last I had a hard year. time last year. A little bit. So I need to discuss with you, Are you are running it this year for I sure. Am. Okay. Just do the 5K. No, I'm do, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it. I'm not doing just the 5K. I can't go back. I can only stay where I was or move All forward. Right. I can't go back. I'm in. But if you're I, doing it, okay. Yeah, right. we're we're done. Right. You've been my. You got me through I the know. first one. You're gonna we'll get me through do, this one. Yeah, now it's my turn. Uh, it has been 86 episodes since you were last officially on as wow. a guest. When you and we we're talking about the Boilermaker. You and Sarah Foster yeah. came on as America's premier uh, bromance <laughs> at the time. And uh, so, how's your life been in 86 weeks? How do you feel like where things were? From? Do you want to know something? I was just thinking about this. I'm having a great February. It's a good February. I feel like <laughs> I'm I just I'm really happy. I have been I think it's because I've been shifting my focus, like I was mentioning mm-hmm. earlier. I'm doing things more for myself. Um mm-hmm. I'm going to Japan this summer. Really? I don't think I, I didn't tell you that. Oh my yet. god. So I'm like I'm pumped for that. What uh, you just, you just wanted go to go see my niece Rebecca? Oh, that's right, Rebecca's out there. That's yeah. right, I forgot about that. So oh, I got man. a lot of exciting things to look forward to and work has been awesome mm-hmm. and yeah, things are good. good. All right, yeah. good. All right, so let's get into some questions. Uh, this is the bonus question we ask okay. sometimes. Uh, and I only asked it because I figured you'd like it. If you could have dinner with any person, alive or dead, who is not a family member, who would you choose? Oh, my gosh. That's tough. Tough, I know. Put you right on the spot with it. Alive or dead? Not your family. person. I would want to be slightly entertaining because I'm tempted to say someone like, I don't know, historical, but I feel like just because they're historical doesn't hmm. mean they're going to be a good dinner That's partner. That's true. That's true. They might not have any idea what you're talking Robin about. Robin Williams. Robin, ooh. Yeah. I want to laugh. Robin Williams. You know? Yeah. And the happy day. Happy, happy Robin. I like yeah. that. All right, good. Very good. All right. So let's get into the lightning round questions proper, although that, that was good. Robin Williams got me thinking about that now. All right. So, Kate Riley. Yes. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Cream. Cream, no sugar. Almond milk usually. Mm. Depends. Sometimes I go to work and then I have to put sugar in it because the coffee mm. at work sucks. Yeah. So bad. Oh. But if I make it myself, yeah. I usually put a little almond milk in there because, okay. you know, I like those problems. Are you, did you do soy milk too at some no, point I in time? No, I hate soy. I hate soy products. I'm glad that almond milk is like a thing now because yeah. I never liked soy milk and I don't it love. It has like a weird bitter taste to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No. All right. <laughs> yeah, good. Off topic. Good. Yeah, right. that's true. Uh, all right. So uh, I don't remember this, although I probably should. What was your first automobile? It was a uh, um, a, a Sundance, a turquoise. Ooh, turquoise Sundance. Sundance. <laughs> yeah, 
I bought it myself. It was $500. And how long did that last? It lasted a long time until I got in a hit and run on 690 uh, and almost died. It was the scariest moment of my geez. life. Jeez. And then I had a car. I know this. We're going long, but then I had a car that was so bad that in the winters the doors wouldn't shut. So I remember once I had to use a belt to tie the windows (laughs) together, the front and passenger, the front and back window windows, because it was the car was so shitty that like the door wouldn't close. So I went through a really bad run of cars. My first car when I was a kid had the lights had the lights that would flip up. Yes. But I didn't, I never put two and two together when I bought it that it was Utica in the winter and that those would freeze clothes. <laughs> it happened constantly. Yes. Constantly. Uh, all right, so you may or may not have taken your Sundance to see it, but what was your first live music concert? All for One at the Stanley. All with my for sister. One. Why does that sound so familiar? All for One. What was that song? And I swear. Oh. Yeah, that, I don't know why I that said that. That was my, my sister Jill at the Stanley. <laughs> Just kind of funny. It's pretty good. Yeah. I offer one. That's not what I would expect. No. Knowing you the way I know you, it's not. <laughs> All right. So, moving on. Uh, you have you're in a book club, so this might be a good question yeah. for you. Anyway, uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. I just finished The Zookeeper's Wife. Zookeeper's Diane Wife. Ackerman, and uh, it was an interesting book club. That was a book club book. Yeah. Um, and it was because. Yeah. It's actually a nonfiction, and it's based in um, Poland during, um, you know, World War II, Holocaust. Yeah, I read about this. And yeah. it was, uh, I really liked it a lot because I've never read a nonfiction book that was really good at telling a story mm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. So hmm. you might like that, actually. No, yeah. I, 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 I've heard about this book, so I've I'm got curious the paperback. To... I'll, right. I'll bring it to you. Yeah. All right, very good. We'll get into that in a minute. All right, so let me set the stage. You are the uh, the women's professional wrestling champion. You are walking down the ring, uh, holding your title triumphantly. The crowd is cheering your name. Kate, 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 what song is playing in the background? This just came to me, but I okay. feel like you're really going to appreciate it. But um, it would be uh, Coheed Welcome Home, I <laughs> well, think. That like I... beginning riff, you know, like the, or the beginning of that song. <laughs> I have that one. I have to go find it and yeah. get it now for the thing. I, I'm so glad you picked a Coheed and Cambridge. Yeah, well, I have to. Yeah. Well, I think we've told we've told this story probably before, but you have been in my phone since since Colgate Seminar as <laughs> as Katie Coheed, yeah. and I refuse to change it. Yeah, like I've, Sam Folds 5. Yeah, Sam Folds 5. That's yeah. good. That's, yeah. I always think about that. It's always be our thing. I could. And finally, last but not least, besides Coheed and Cambria, uh, besides Syracuse Orangeman, and besides uh, the state of your beloved city of Utica, give me one more thing that you are passionate about. My cat. Ah, Queenie. Little Queen. (laughs) She's the only person that's consistently happy to see me every day. Can I tell you that uh, Mr. Parkinson's cat, uh, Charlie, has been spending a lot more time here in this apartment than he has upstairs lately. I'm starting to come around on... Yeah. Like, I've come around on Charlie a long time ago, but I'm starting to, like, respect it's cats nice. a little like, bit. Like, I just chill with you. I don't ask too much, you Yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. Well, Is that weird? I'm a, I'm a cat no, lady now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll tell you, I've, I've, told, I've talked about this with relationships before, because cats and dogs... If you like cats or if you like dogs, that's your relationship thing. Do you want somebody who, like... Loves you and is happy to see you the minute you walk in the door and just so excited and can barely, like, but can't leave you alone? Or do you want someone who kind of has their own thing going? I like that analogy. That's is pretty I mean, cool. Someone yeah. who's, like, a little bit by themselves. It's probably harder to get them to, like, you to stay with you. You know what she does? Mm. She she runs to the door and I'll open the door. But as soon as I walk in, she runs into the living room and lays mm. on the living room with her legs up in the air <laughs> like this. Like, people can't see me right now, but, like, kind of 
paws flailing in the air waiting for me to like rub her belly so she'll wait at the door but then when i open the door she like runs away and is like you gotta come get me now you gotta come say hi to me have you given queenie the ultimate cat gift yet which is a laser pointer oh she loves that okay good all right kate i want to thank you for spending your pre-oscar sunday night joining us for this interview it's been so so overdue yeah i haven't seen you in a long time i know like we've been been a minute Grad school has ruined my entire social yeah. life. I have no social life and I have no money. It's like it's really like I'm back in college the I first did time it, all over again. And I give you a lot of credit. It was really hard. <laughs> well, so. thanks. Yeah. Thanks for doing everything you do. I appreciate it. Yep. I will talk to you soon. Folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Cambria song for her theme song. It just wouldn't be proper if she didn't. It's Katie Cohen for you. <laughs> so uh, before we get into this week's history lessons, yes, there are history lessons this week. I do want to uh, discuss the Twitter poll. I thought this was a fun game, Twitter poll last week. Kind of threw it up haphazardly, mm-hmm. uh, and now I think that maybe if we didn't do it so haphazardly, it might be something fun to do. Uh, I discovered something today, Kev. Uh, my phone, much like your phone, is also due for an upgrade. So now, suddenly, I'm very curious at the potential market and plethora of options that are available to me to upgrade my iPhone 6 to a new cellular device. Why, are you pretending that you're not going to get another iPhone? I am pretending I'm not going to get another iPhone because I've been doing some work reading up on things lately. What an actor. No, no, it's true. Uh, so uh, basically, the best supporting actor. So <laughs> I could have been the best supporting actor. That's what we'll do. We'll come right out and come out on stage and be like, "Oh, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a other phone," and then they're like, "Nope, wait a minute, I'm just getting an iPhone." <laughs> well, I think the reason I didn't want to just throw a Twitter poll up is I wanted to discuss with you what phones we should even put up there as potential options because I feel like there's only so many we could potentially pick. Uh, right? Samsung Galaxy S8 will be out next month, um, so that's in there. The Google Pixel and the new iPhone, and that's pretty. That's much just it, it, right? Those yeah. are the three. I think somebody else makes a phone that people. I think there's like a Windows phone, but I don't think it did really well. HTC's got phones out there, but HTC, which. HTC was my first smartphone, yeah. and I loved it, and I would love to go back, but they keep doing this thing when they put out new phones where, like, they'll get 90% of it, like, 80% of the stuff stellar, but then, like, the other 20% will be, like, they fell asleep and just quit, and, like, ah, hey, screw it, just put it out. Uh, so they just can't get on the same bar that the rest of these guys are on, and past that, I mean, they're all sort of, like, you might you might have, like, a niche supporter for some, like, weird other phone, but yeah. those are pretty much the three I the other the other option I have is that I won't even upgrade my phone and just get a new iPhone six right the same just like redo this one right. Do you need a new phone? Is there anything wrong with that phone? It's got that thing where you can't tell if it's charging or not. 
You know what I'm talking yeah. about? When your battery okay. starts, when you put the charger in and it looks like it's charging and then it'll just be like, nope, I don't want to charge anymore. And you got to go back and put it in again. That's yeah, it's enough of a frustration. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. And much like everything mm. else I own, I will beat it into the deathly ground before I actually well, that's get rid what of it. I've, I've, no I've had an upgrade available since November for my phone. Yeah. Um, but I've just, I haven't really needed it. My mm. phone is still working really well. Yeah. Um, so at this point, I'm probably going to wait at least another month until the next Galaxy comes out mm-hmm. because I don't want to go get like a Galaxy S7 and then have the 8 come out two months yeah. later. That just seems silly. That's kind of where I am too. So I'm going to try to hold out for the 8. I might go to the Google Pixel, but I'm not sure. And uh, you know me, iPhones are out. So let's, so let's, Narrow it down to the Samsung, the Galaxy S7, S8, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. your, whatever you want to call it. Uh, same with the iPhone, because I'm kind of doing the same thing with iPhone. I feel like there's going to be another well, then Yeah, but that won't come out to the fall. Yeah, but I feel like I might be able to scrape through until fall. Yeah, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Maybe. Uh, and then I am kind of interested in the Pixel again after I wrote one re- one bad review and then went back on the internet and read better reviews for it. So now yeah. I'm suddenly it's interested. it's I've I've read a lot. I always like to research uh, these mm. things a lot before I make a purchase. Sometimes research so much that it paralyzes me in action. To be honest with you, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I know how that goes. But at pretty Google, the Pixel is pretty consistently being like by most like tech blogs and like tech sites and you know people like that is pretty much sort of considered like the best phone, the best smartphone out there right now. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about them is, you know, you can go right through Google to get it, and you know, I think you can also get service right through Google, and you get the quickest updates, the fastest, because they just update it right to you. But if you get it through Verizon, you don't get Verizon gets to pick when you get the system updates or whatever, so it's a little bit janky like that. Yeah, I see. That's my bigger problem. I think is is I'm more concerned about whether or not I should stay with Verizon mm-hmm. than than I am if I should get a new phone. Uh, I feel like it's probably a big hassle. That's the biggest thing holding me back is going to a different... Because I feel like i got to throw a lot of money down if I go somewhere to get a new phone. Right? I'm not going to get anything back. Although I'm probably not getting crap back from Verizon either now, the way they, the way you upgrade your phones. Because if you remember how it was back in the day, it's like you get your upgrade, and then you go to the store, and there's a couple phones you can get for free with your upgrade. Right. And then there's also nicer phones that you can get, but you got to pay a little extra, right? Yeah, $100, that does, no, th- bucks, yeah. that does not exist anymore. No. That's probably not existed for a long time, honestly. Mm. But uh, now they do that thing where they want you to pay, like, a tack onto your bill for, like, 12 months or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, which, and that's, that's I, I get, you know, they want to make more money and nickel and dime everybody to death and bill you for the rest of your life because yes. uh, we live in a corporate dystopian oligarchy. Yes. However... Uh, jokes on them because when I go, I don't, I don't care. I'll pay the extra up front just to not be on the hook for twelve or twenty four or thirty six months for paying for a phone. You know yeah, what I mean? True. Yeah. But I think they also want you to trade in your old phone, and you can get like a discount if you trade in. Like if you were to go get a new phone and you trade in that phone yeah, with it, uh, two hundred dollars for it. You can get like two hundred dollars off, and that's another one where it's like you know, if this phone is worth as much as you say it is, like it'd be cool to knock the two hundred off. But if you can muscle it up front. I think I'm going to keep my supercomputer, my pocket supercomputer. Yeah. So I think when I go to trade mine in, I'm going to try to keep my my current Galaxy, and I'm going to use that as like my like remote control. That's for like uh, for like Chromecast That's and smart. Spotify and things like that. That's pretty good. Uh, a couple quick history lessons. Might as well get them out of the way. Damn, I thought we had. I thought we snuck right by. Nope. I nope. thought we snuck right by them. Nope. Uh, on this day, 1908, the 46th star was added to the U.S. flag. You want to guess what state? Oh boy, the 46th star, 1908. I'm going to have to say, uh, I don't know, Washington, Oklahoma. See, I knew it. Oklahoma. I knew it. Uh, I didn't know either. Uh, on this day, 1983. Uh, the finale of uh, MASH, the television show, which at the time was the highest uh, watched television show of all time, 
pulling in a total of 70 77% of the total television audience, which is an outrageous number that would never exist today. Yeah, true. Like that's very true. The fact that 77% of the television audience cared enough about one thing, uh, just that's... That, there's probably only like five channels though, right? Yeah, there are like three channels. things yeah. to care about. Uh, Actually, I don't know. 83, I think they had some stuff going on. I didn't realize MASH ran that long. I think 11 seasons MASH was on. Yeah, but I didn't realize that. I guess I didn't realize it started that late. Yeah, because there was a movie first, and then it was a TV show. Sure. And then there was a spinoff called After MASH. Ha 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 if you ha had, ha. If you had asked me when I thought MASH ended, I would have told you like 74. Yeah, that's fair though. I probably would have said that too, like right. if I didn't look it up today. Um, and uh, on this day in 1991, Gulf War ends. Uh, Gulf War, whatever, but the most interesting thing about the Gulf War to me is it's the first time you ever saw journalists in the battlefield. That was, like, the first time you turn on your TV and the first time that, like, CNN was sending journalists to, like, you know, Baghdad to watch it get bombed in the distance. Right. Which is something that's, like, super ubiquitous now. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I actually remember being kind of like, what is this? What are those airplanes doing? I remember being a little kid being horrified of war. Yeah. Because I, I was... I two bombers, I, man. I always had an image in my head, like, when I was a little, like, four or five-year-old kid or whatever when the Gulf War was going on, that, like, war was going to be everywhere, and I imagine there would be, like, two different, like, barricades of sandbags and barbed wire on each end of my street, yes. and they'd just be shooting each other and mm-hmm. bombing each other right out in my f- street. Yep. So, yeah, that worked out, playing the war on TV. Yeah, it's good, good for us. Uh, and uh, here's a little uplifting one, I guess, supposedly. Night, mm. uh, on this day in 1827, the very first Mardi Gras festival was celebrated in New Orleans, Louisiana. Interesting. First one, 18. 18- Huh. Uh, New Orleans, one of those places on my list for places I'd really like to go. Yeah, to go check top out. of my list, really. It was also very high on the list I watched on the internet yesterday, the Watch Mojo list of cities that would soon be underwater. Also true. <laughs> Which also is so very true. I started thinking about that last week at, when I was in New York because I'd, I'd, I'd seen something about this before. It makes me scared. That's like my scary one is when all the cities go underwater. That's a, you know what's one of the most annoying things about it, too, is, like, all these, like, the idiot, like, the, and I'm not saying they're all idiots, but, like, the idiot subset of the population of, like, these baby boomers and, like, these yeah. Republicans in Congress who are like, ah, climate change isn't real, it's not a real thing, it's not happening, <laughs> they're going to be dead before the worst of it happens, and it's too bad because I really wish they could see in 25 years when huge chunks of these cities are underwater where we spent billions of dollars building space balls to keep them safe. <laughs> I just, I, um... <clears throat> It's just, it seems like so short sighted when you look at it from a big picture. It's like we built all of our cities on the coasts. Like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, since, since the beginning of time, though. I mean, since like, the beginning of time, humanity like, has congregated the coasts because you have to. It's not like when you look at like all the cities and you know, most of the cities in this country and stuff like that, it's not like, okay, boys, we're going to build a city. What do you guys think? Where should we put it? It's true. These are cities. Like, the reason New York is such a yeah. big city because it has so many natural harbors and ports right. that that's where so much shipping happens mm-hmm. and it makes sense to just build up around the places where this happens. And so it's it's there's, there would be no other way to do it, especially when they started building these cities before, you know, travel, before you could commute from upstate and work in New York yeah. on the docks or whatever. Yeah, that's true. You know, so it just sort of springs up around there and it's one of those things, man, where I... We'll see. Mm. We'll see. Can't wait till, till Utica's beachfront property get that sweet, sweet land value increase. Oh, yeah, the Utica beachfront property is going to be <laughs> all right. It's um, a little, little silver lining there for you. <laughs> a little silver, just a little bit. Uh, so I saw a good article today and I just want to show it up to you, see what you think about this. Cause I think it sort of applies to, uh, guys like us to a certain extent. Okay. Uh, this was in vice today and vice money. And it was about how young Americans are worried they'll be renting forever. 
Yeah. Because yeah. we will be. Uh, yeah, yeah. So 1960, this is just a couple of facts I saw in here I thought were interesting. 1960, uh, the median age for first marriage was 20 for women and 23 for men. Uh-huh. Today it's uh, 27 and 29, uh-huh. right? Same kind of thing goes for houses, right? Uh, home ownership rate among Americans under 35 was 34.7%. In 1980, it was 43.8%. And that decline is actually a big reason of why overall home ownership in the United States is hovering at, like, the lowest it's been in, like, 50 years. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things in this article about it. I won't, like, rip the whole thing apart. But one of the things I thought was really interesting, and I'm going to pull the quote up here for you. This was from uh, Audrey Crumback, a 35-year-old director of development at a nonprofit living at, uh, at Atlanta nonprofit Living Room, right? It's uh, They are a nonprofit organization to help people find housing. Sure. Right. Uh, there are scores of new developments in Atlanta of townhouses and condos that are so proudly listed on their site. Prices starting at five hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand. Those aren't there aren't new complexes being built at say prices starting at one hundred and fifty thousand. Right, right. And that's true. Like I can't even imagine like what I would. I can't. I can't imagine getting a house because I don't know. It seems so daunting. Like the idea of what you'd have to do, like the process of going through just to even like think about getting a house. I mean, that part you can learn. I think what it comes down to, the reason that people aren't buying houses, besides the fact, and you know, back to back to one of my my favorite punching bags, but it really mm-hmm. is the truth. You know, a lot of these older folks who are holding on to the houses who have unrealistic expectations, they bought the house as an investment like thirty or forty years ago mm-hmm. because they're dumb. <laughs> you don't buy a house as an investment, but um. They, you know, buy these houses and they want these prices for them. And I've seen a ton of houses listed. And I have a couple of friends that work in real estate and they say that's uh, one of the problems they run into is a lot of older folks who have been in their homes for, you know, 30 years, they want to retire and they expect like X amount of money, which isn't realistic and isn't with the market value. They're like, well, this is, you know, what we paid for it with inflation plus what we've put into it. It's like, yeah, sorry, the mark, you all created the market. And also, you know, look at all the student loan debt. Like that that's really the thing though. Like when you go back, they talk about what home ownership was fifty years ago, fifty years ago, forty years ago, thirty years ago, even really kind of twenty, student loan debt wasn't as out of control as yeah. it is right now. I mean, how many people think about it? And you know, because everybody our age kind of talks about it a little bit. How many people do you know that are at least fifty grand in debt? Oh hands in the air, bro. Like, you know what I mean? So like, many. So many. <laughs> so many. And so those people are, you know, not only is their debt to income ratio terrible, so yeah. they can't yeah. get a mortgage, but also a lot of those people, you know, it's tough to pick up a mortgage payment when you're already paying the equivalent of a mortgage payment on student loans already. Like, so how do you expect those people to buy houses? Uh, and the other, the other side of this thing <coughs> here, um, the more renters there are, the surging in rentals, the actual cost of rents is soaring, right? So this is from 2014. Uh, 21.3 million Americans pay more than 30% of their income in rent, which is an all-time high. Yeah. And I'm, I almost certainly fall into that platform yeah. like and it's like yeah man do. um and they talk uh, here's one more thing they talk about uh the abil- uh, the relationship between high rents and the ability to buy homes is a vicious cycle this is the quote from i'm gonna screw this up zvenja gudel okay <laughs> she's a uh she's a chief economist for some company right cool uh, renters who pay these higher rental rates are usually unable to save, which means they stay renters longer, which means the overall pool of renters continually increases, and therefore rents keep rising. It's very hard to break out of and become a homeowner. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, man. It's tough. And, you know, you well, you look at it even like, um, so I was looking at that figure, like paying what percentage of their monthly take-home? 30% of their 30%. Income. So I don't, I don't come, for my monthly take-home, I don't spend really anywhere near 30% of my monthly on rent. But I also split an apartment, which, yeah. like, as you know, at 31, 
is probably like 20 years ago that would be looked upon strangely. Sure. You know what I mean? Like they would just assume yeah. that like you and me were dating and didn't want to tell anybody because like, oh, there's two guys living together. But now you look around. Some renters probably did when we came in. Ah, yeah, maybe. But like, I, but like, I'm talking about like the general, <laughs> yeah, like the yeah, general majority public, whatever. Yeah. And but you know, you look around. I know a ton of people in this situation, and I'm able to still, you know, sort of squirrel away a little bit of money. And like, rent is is all right. Rent's not really daunting for me here. But even if you know, if it was just me taking this apartment by myself, it's still something I could do. But it would become much more of a sure. budget thing. You yeah. know what I mean? And so that's another situation where, you know, people aren't even really, like, living by themselves. I know a ton of people who are renters who have a roommate because it's just cheaper. And at a certain point, you know, what what's the difference if you live by yourself? Just some, like, weird sense of being able to pat yourself on the back, like, yeah, I live alone. Who the hell cares? You know what yeah. I mean? It's nice to have people around sometimes. And, like, if you can make your bills cheaper so you can save more money, it's better. And I don't really know what the answer is for a lot of our generation, mm. you know, because I don't really see how it's ever going to change for mm. us. You know, those student loans don't look like they're going anywhere, mm. and, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to get any cheaper. And so, I don't know. be interesting to see how it plays out. Want to put a cherry on that cake for you? Why would you put a cherry on a cake? Cherry on that pie? Cherry on the top of the sundae? What the hell are you putting cherries on cakes for? you got to add something else onto this. You're a sick person. All right. Cherry on top is what they say. Oscars last night. What? Oscars last Where night. Where are you? I'm wrapping around. Oscars <laughs> doing last a thing? night. I'm doing okay, a thing. Do a thing. Oscars last night. Yeah. Gift bag. Whoa. Oscar gift bag. Uh. How much do you think it was worth they gave out to everybody? Way too much. $125,000. $100,000. Oh, $100,000 for every gift bag they gave out at the Oscars last night. Just something to think about. Also, Oh, I no. Have... Forget about that. Something to think about. Let's talk about the number of money that we have not taken in cutting taxes for Don't Get Me Fired Up. Cutting taxes for the rich people yeah. who don't need it. You want to, I'm going to give you a couple got a things. list of money here. What is Yeah, that? this is a list of a money things. list? No, okay. this is the list of things that's in the Oscar gift bag. I Did looked. you print that out and staple it? Yeah. Oh, you're precious. Go ahead. Uh, Hit him with it. Private Northern California ranch vacation, $40,000. Strong. Mm-hmm. Seven-day spa trip, $8,850. I'm going to read you this quote. Those in need of some post-Oscars rest and relaxation <laughs> can enjoy a week-long stay at the Golden Door. Not oh. sure what I would do for seven days at a spa, but I'm sure some people would be way into that. Yeah, you got to rest from that big Oscar party. A little post-Oscar. Are you been seven days? <laughs> I feel like my ceiling for a spa oh. is like six hours. Uh, six more, six nights in Italy, valued at $10,000. There you go. Off the top. Ooh, 14-carat gold diamond bracelet. $595. What a piece of crap. Like, what a dumb thing. Like, just some, oh, here's a 14-karat gold bracelet. Like, these people, if they want a bracelet, they'll go get a bracelet. This one kind of surprised me. Hayes Dual V3 Vaporizer, 250 bucks. They know. They, they were smoking out in Hollywood. What do they vaping. care? Vaping. Uh, ooh, Lifetime Supply of Lizora Nourishing Cream and Cleansing Bars, valued oh, at $31,200. Lifetime Supply. What are, a lot of skin serums on here. There's a lot of weird stuff. Can I tell you the one that got me, though? One year of car rentals, $20,000 from a car. For, you know <laughs> That's what? That's kind of a power. Actually, for, for these people, I mean, I don't know if that company is national, but, like, for people who travel a lot, it's probably, that's probably a nice deal. That's that's the one that I was like, yo, that's the one right there. No, man, I'll still take that uh, that $40,000 value, stay at the California Ranch for California something. Ranch yeah, California yes. Ranch Vacation is where uh, I'm at. So, yeah, all you have to do to get that is be uh, famous, be in a movie. Or, right. be in, or work on a movie. Well, you, you know what? And those people are, are so disadvantaged that it's good that we're all pulling together to get them some stuff. Uh, <laughs> I got a couple would you rathers before we close up for the day. Hey, fire it up. All right. Uh, and this one is also in theme with the Oscars. Uh, would you rather be a famous director or a famous actor? Um, It's a tough one, actually. I thought about this a lot after I wrote it down. 
I suppose it depends on what level of famous. There's a difference between like George Clooney famous and Bill Paxton famous, so to speak. I try and think of. I try and weigh people against each other, right? Like, mm-hmm. do I, would I rather be Damien Chazelle, who's 32 years old and just won an Oscar, youngest director to win an Oscar? No, right, I don't want to be him for best director. Or do I want to be Ryan Gosling, who didn't win anything but is Ryan Gosling? Be Gosling. You want to be Gosling, I right? Need, I don't need an award. I don't need the pat on the back. What I what I look at it with is for me is money and lifestyle. So my the only trick with being Gosling, which you know, I'm pretty happy with my life. I like where I am. I like a lot of things. I like my people. I've done a lot of things. That being said, if there was a Gosling switch button, I'd punch that thing through the wall. Yes, hit of it. course. Probably just smash it with my fist. probably. Yeah. But like either way, sure. <laughs> but something like that though. So you become that famous actor, and you have to start looking at your lifestyle. I can no longer like last night. I went to see Run the Jewels at Terminal Five. I was out in the middle of the crowd with a bunch of people just hanging out with strangers. You lose that. You lose that anonymity, yeah, but if you're a famous director, maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the, the La La Land kid, maybe not because he's only made one. Because that's also the trick is you're probably making more money as a famous actor more consistently. For sure. But then again, how much money do I truly need? You know what I mean? Fair point. I would probably end up going with the director because... Ah, see, it's tough, though, because I would like to keep the anonymity and I would like to be able to keep a low profile and, like, still live my life generally. But, you know, that being said... It'd be nice sometimes to be that actor so you can pull some strings when you go somewhere. Like, if mm-hmm. I show up at the Knicks game, I don't have to explain, like, no, I directed La La Land, damn it. I'm just like, yeah. Don't look, you know who I am? You know who I am. <laughs> yeah. You know who I am. Um, all right, so um, <laughs> would you – this is an interesting one. I, I, I also took pause at this one. Would you rather go back to five years old, knowing what you know now, and do it again, or – would you rather know everything your future self will ever know now? It's it's a weird scenario. I thought about this for a long time. You can either go back and do what you've already done over again from five, knowing what you know. The or- knee-jerk reaction is to say go back to five, knowing everything. Mm-hmm. And that's probably still the thing. Even if it gets into stuff there like, oh, well, you know that Google's going to become a company so like you buy stock and now you're like sure. stupid rich or whatever. But... I feel like that has more potential for being, like, for, for turning into a nightmare. Yes. And for, for yeah. fundamentally ruining, like, who you are and what your life is and everything like yes. that. Um, but it would be tough to not say that going back to five. Mm. You know what I mean? It would be, but it would also be strange, though, because if you go back with all the knowledge you have now, like... I, it, it might be it might be tell like certain like you know we'll take um you know say say you know somebody is gonna die somebody that you've lost yeah. in between now and five and so you're a 10 year old kid and you're sitting there saying like you know so and so like you're listen we got to do something you're gonna have uh yeah you're gonna have a brain aneurysm on this date and you're gonna die and we have to do something about that and you're locked up I'm gonna lock sure. you right up. You know what I mean? And like all that stuff, like going after people and like having all and that. And then weird... what's to say if you lo- if you get locked up, it doesn't change the course of events, so that it never does happen. And right. And then you erase yourself. Then you, yeah. You've created a time paradox. Yeah. The whole mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So as hard as it would be to turn down that Shangri La of options that that would be to go back to five with all the knowledge you have now. Oh man. I like the other one. I like knowing everything you'll ever know in the future now. Yeah, that's, see, that's a little bit more amorphous. I don't really know, like, because I don't want to know, I wouldn't want to know, I certainly don't want to know when I'm going to die. Do not want that knowledge. It but would cast you, a shadow over my entire life. I feel like if you know the course of future events as opposed to the course of past events, though, you can really 
like you. But can, if but if you know the course to past events and you go back to the future, so it's like days of future past. Huh. See what's going on? Like it's if you go back to being five, it's still so the future. So we're going back to the future. I think. Great Scott. Great Scott. Um, Great Scott. Um, I don't know, man. That's a tough yeah. one. I, it would be really hard, though, to turn down the going back to five knowing everything you know now. Because, <laughs> like, think about if you knew everything you know now and you could run back through, like, high school and, like, the early mm. 20s and stuff. Mm. It'd be all right. It'd be uh, all right. And here's one that I threw in just for funsies. I saw this one on here. Uh, would you rather be constantly alone or constantly... Oh, constantly alone. So <laughs> I don't even know what the other one is. I was going to say... Constantly surrounded by aggravating individuals, and I said that's already our life, isn't it? We are constantly alone, we're constantly surrounded by aggravating individuals. That's my entire. That's everything oh, my life man. is about. It's How not. About it? um, that's not an either or. That just an is. That just is. Constantly, uh, it would have to be. But constantly surrounded. Does that mean no matter where you are, no matter what time of your life, there's like five annoying people with you? Like you're laying down in bed and you're surrounded by five annoying people. Your entourage, your crew, they're with you when you wake up and you go to sleep. Yeah, probably. Like they're they're in the room when you're sleeping. They probably got their own rooms. Nice. They're in the house. Okay. Well. Okay. Wait a minute. Now I can work with that. That's a little bit better. Are they in the house? Okay. So it's are just, they yeah. are like when you say constantly surrounded? Does that mean I'm going to the bathroom and everybody's like, "All right, gang, we're going to the bathroom," and they're all standing there aggravating me while I'm like on the toilet? I don't think they're aggravating you while you're on the toilet, but I think when you come out of that bathroom, they're there. Like, hey, what are you doing? Okay. Yeah. That's still probably better than being actually alone all like that's because being alone all the time is like never seeing another soul. Yeah. Some Twilight Zone. Can't have shit. Yeah. Can't have that. All right, very good. Um, that's it. That's all I got for this Is that week. the pod? It's the podcast that is for the, the week. Pod. What episode is this? Did we say? You probably said in your intro. But I'm, 88. I'm not privy to that. 88, huh? Is it the Des Bryant episode? Is he the only 88? Oh, I don't know. About, I don't know. About having is he 88? I don't even know if he is. I have anymore. no idea. That's football. That's yeah. outside of my purview. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, this was a busy week, folks. Uh, this week coming up should be a little more low-key. I got some actually good interviews on the books coming up. For so. you, I got a crazy week coming up this yeah. week. Art Run is coming up next week. Yeah, I got to work it on Art Saturday. Run is next weekend, do you? Yeah, I've got to, we've got to yeah. do the expo. Yeah. So we go and we do the expo, we set up all that stuff. I got to start packing for it on Tuesday because we supply a lot of stuff for like a lot of the surrounding parties and everything. Yeah. Hey, if you're going to see the Heart Run on Tuesday, uh, Sunday, folks, we'll, or Saturday, we'll see you there, I suppose. I'm not going. <laughs> I'm, setting my, I'm setting my staff because I have to be <laughs> actually at work, so I'll send my staff to it. So if you see Sam, go harass him. You know, I hit him up. You should send your send staff. Send my staff. That's send my the, staff. The joy oh. of having a staff is being able to send your staff. Yeah, respond to our Twitter poll. We'll uh, let you know what happens uh, next week. See you later, folks.